Welcome to Speaking Out America. I thought instead of, you know, coming out with a cliche show open, we'd honor the great Tina Turner who passed in Switzerland. This was Private Dancer, one of my favorite albums back in the day. Mel Collins on sax. Jeff Beck on guitar. Enjoy for a little. Can we please have a little space in our world? Time to just relax, get away from the stupid news, stupid headlines, political infighting. You know, there's an interesting story behind that uh, private dancer which is the name of the album and the song. It didn't do as well, but if you were a lover of that kind of music at the time, there was a big, I think there was an upward swell of R&B and jazz in the mid-80s. It was great music. Still is. Jeff Beck right here. And don't ask me who's on the keyboards there, but... Anyway, it was originally supposed to be a song uh, for Dire Straits. The The song was produced and or was written to be used on, on the Dire Straits album, but they never recorded it. And John Carter uh, was the held in as the producer. And the song, uh, 1982, was supposed to be on Love Over Gold. The instruments were recorded, but Mark Knopfler considered the lyrics unsuitable for a male singer <laughs> because it's about a, a, a prostitute. So the track was dropped from the project, which is too bad because I would have liked to have seen what they did with it. You know, they could change the And there's something metaphorical about the song Private Dancer because we are all private dancers, aren't we? Uh, get, get a listen to it sometime when you have, you know, five or ten minutes and listen to the lyrics. And they talk about, I think more than anything, just the way that people have to do what they got to do to survive, you know. And what they're what they're willing to go through to survive, and make it another day, and the people that they entangle with that abuse them and exploit them, but man, you got to put food on the table, right? And uh, it's something I want to talk about today. There's a lot to talk about. Believe me, uh, Tina Turner. You know, nobody said it, but she was really a, a flamethrower. I mean, she had fire, and. Uh, all the respect in the world. And she never overplayed it. She never became a silly, egotistical superstar. There, she was just a woman of class. Just a real woman of class. Rock and roll will will miss her. All right, so the big story of the day, which is ridiculous, is DeSantis. And apparently the... I mean, come on, guys. That did not look good. I mean, I heard about the flop... I'm not a fanboy, so I always wait to see what everybody else says. But, man, if you're about to do something so revolutionary and transformative and you're going to do uh, a, a press release via Twitter and go global, how do you not get the audio? The audio is like the easiest thing. It's amazing to me that the richest, one of the richest men in the world who owns Twitter didn't get it right. I just don't understand that. But that's life. You know, it's not a big deal. But I don't think it made DeSantis look good. Uh, and now everybody's fighting over what DeSantis and Trump... To me, it's an embarrassment of riches, really. We have the... Uh, Republicans have 
an embarrassment of riches in some ways because we have good candidates that in any other election, any one of them would be viable. Tim Scott, I mean, nobody's perfect. Trump's not perfect. DeSantis isn't perfect. Nikki Haley isn't perfect. You know, there's a great article today written about Eisenhower on Zero Hedge as an example of the difference between the kind of leadership we have now versus the kind of leadership that at least I think the Republican Party offers. And uh, Eisenhower, when he was a young man, he was in the military, and I guess this was right after World War I, and he had taken a trip, and there were, I think, 88 military vehicles that went from New York all the way, no, yeah, they, cra- they crossed the country. This was before the interstate. And they wanted to see how easy it would be. And our roads, we had no roads. There was no clear-cut organiz- organization that you could even call a national highway. And that stuck with Eisenhower for his life. And then when he became president, he, uh, he got a guy by the name of Lucius Clay, who was an engineering, brilliant engineer. And he had actually orchestrated the Berlin airlift, which rescued about a quarter of a million people. Um, anyway, so the president in 1953, Dwight Eisenhower, tapped this, this guy, Lucius Clay, in developing what we now have as the interstate system. The, all of the I-5, I-40, I-70, I-95, uh, the tri- tributary highways, the way they look, the way they're crafted, the speed limits, the everything... Uh, and we actually borrowed some of that from Germany and their Autobahn. Eisenhower and Lucius were so impressed by the German highway system that they said, well, we got to do we got to do that, too. And so Eisenhower, in his brilliance, tapped the right man for the job. And this article that I read this morning points out that look at our transportation secretary now. And that's just the one example of the kind of lack of leadership that we have in our government today. This is why they can't seem to solve the debt the debt ceiling. And this is why the media is is spewing and spinning and doing all the things that they're doing. They're not telling people the truth, which is that Biden has a big budget. He wants to implement it and we can't afford it. They just want to keep the budget of the American government which has ballooned back to 2020 levels. That's it. It's not a cut. It's 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 a a slowing of the increase is a more accurate term, but nobody uses that language. And I think the general American people, they don't care about the minutia. They just want to know that the government is running responsibly. But how could that possibly be when you have the current cast and crew of Disneyland running the, world, uh, the, the world's most powerful government? I mean, Pete Buttigieg, he's more concerned with having female crash test dummies than fixing the infrastructure, our highways. They just can't seem to get anything done. He doesn't have the experience. So it's a lesson we can all learn, really, is that we lack leadership. More than anything, we lack leadership in our country. And that's why we're having the problems that we're having. I'll give you a good example. Gavin Newsom is now calling Target a sellout because they won't put transgender and Satanist, uh, satanic clothing for kids in their stores. The governor of California, that's a complete opposite from the governor in Florida, let me tell you. But, of course, we know that Gavin Newsom is bought and paid for by LGBTQ. We know that. But it's just an example of that kind of leadership. He wants young children to be groomed 
Don't ask me why. Anyway, so we do have a lot to talk about. And, you know, right now in this country, we have a leadership deficit. And I don't know how to solve it. I don't. I have no, no answer. But I will tell you, it does start with something that's pretty easy, Think if you think about it. I, my son was in town. Uh, he was here. He's in his mid-20s, and he uh, works for a great company. And he's on his way. And I, I have so much pride and proud of, you know, when you see your offspring and you've done your best that you can to get them on their road, and then they come back and, and they're on their road. That's such an, a wonderful feeling. But how many people now grow up in decent families anymore? All these people that are out there fighting for social justice, you can see it in their eyes, they're angry. That they, they feel that they have to push all these agendas. But, you know, they're not pushing the family agenda, are they? I mean, the family is the most sacred, the most important aspect. It's where we learn all of our basic social skills, how to treat other people with respect. We learn that because our parents tell us to teach each of our siblings respect. Loyalty to causes, you learn that in the family. You don't learn that in a non-family. If you grew up in a single home and your mom was always at work and your Uncle Fred just stopped in once in a while to make sure you were still alive and you were a latchkey kid, and there was nobody there waiting for you. There's a lot of people, too many people that grew up in that environment. And they still grow up today. Uh, people have to work or they sit at home all day and they collect a check. And I almost can guarantee you that if you're a kid and you grew up and you, you watched your mom, you never saw your dad. And your mom sat at home, watched TV and collected her check. Which I hope is rarer than I think. What kind of person are you going to grow up to be? You're going to grow up to be a person who feels entitled. But when you come from a normal family, uh, everybody equally works. They all contribute to the family, whatever it is, dishes, taking out the trash, cleaning up your room, helping your mommy fold the clothes. Those are all key ingredients to developing healthy and happy and self-sufficient characters who do not walk around. And, and you heard Tim Scott talk about this, about his family. And what is, what, do I have that clip? I think I do. I, I hope I do. Because it's kind of inspiring, really. And so it's that great divide, right? Because you've got people who, here we go. I think this is it. Let's see. He's talking about his, his mom. Let's see if we can get, here, here, let's roll table. This is a couple of days ago. This is a man talking about his family and what it meant to him to have such a, a, a strong mother. My mom worked 16 hour days as a nurse's aide changing bedpans, and rolling patients. It was hard work. It wasn't glamorous. But those 16-hour days put food on the table and kept the lights on. They empowered her to move her boys out of a place filled with pain into a home filled with love. And that's what I'm talking about. You got a guy there, a rags-to-riches story, but it, it, it may have hardened him, but it also made him more appreciative, hardworking, and he made it work for him now a senator and he wants to be the president that's what i'm talking about people that have good character that leads to better leadership we'll be back in just a moment you're listening to speaking out america i'm jr
America with JR. Join us online at speakingoutamerica.com. It's good to be back. <clears throat> I want to tell you that a little bit later on, we're going to have a our good attorney come by, Jan Charles Grape, give us some input, insight into this <clears throat> strange thing that's going on at Dodger Stadium and the Dodgers in L.A. And we'll get to all the juicy details, but we talked a little bit about it yesterday. Uh, they've been doing Pride Night at, at L.A. Dodger Stadium for years, but now they want to introduce this new group, the Sisters of Indulgence, which has its root in satanic worship, I, I, I'm hearing, and that also they uh, have, basically it's a drag queen show for 56,000 people at uh, one of America's oldest ballparks. And we'll get into a little bit of that discussion and talk to someone who's actually gone to a Dodgers game every single year since 1962. Isn't that amazing? So he'll have a few things to say and take us into that world. Oh, I wanted to play this for you. This is the sound. This is the sound that you hear. Uh, This is the sound of illegal immigrants coming across the border unfettered. I received the worst news that a parent doesn't want to hear, that my newly 20-year-old daughter, Kayla Hamilton, was murdered in her own room and left on the floor like trash. Kayla's murderer was apprehended by Border Patrol crossing illegally into the U.S. For me, this is not a political issue. This is a safety issue for everyone living in the United States. This could have been anyone's daughter. Somebody needs to send that to uh, Jake Sullivan. Someone needs to send it to AOC. Someone needs to send it to Biden and Kamala, especially. I'll play it again if you want to hit record or if you want me to send it to somebody. Just give me their email. Email me at speakingoutamerica at gmail.com. I received the worst news that a parent doesn't want to hear. And uh, this is, we've been saying this for a long time here on the program. Is this, look, as a former resident of California and having witnessed firsthand the influx during the 70s and 80s, I think I know whereof I speak when I talk about the fact that unfettered immigration is suicidal. It's not only suicidal for the people that are here, but it's sometimes suicidal for the people that are making the trek. And I am uh, I am amazed at the insensitivity on the part of the Biden administration. They don't seem to know how to connect the dots between a rise in fentanyl overdoses in America among our youngest. You know, the death rate, the mortality rate among men, 1834, is highest it's ever been in the United States. And we're not in the middle of a war, or at least we're not sending troops overseas, not yet anyway. They're dying from overdoses of drugs. Now, obviously, everybody has to take some personal responsibility, but it doesn't help when you have a U.S. president who is allowing, allowing cartels to come in unfettered. Somebody had suggested maybe we should start just dealing directly with the cartel instead of the Mexican government. And uh, I don't know if Biden is doing it out of spite or misplaced misplaced priorities, but he's listening to the wrong people. He should be listening to people like this because these are the people. I think the reason I, I speak out so passionately about this is that I have had, I have known people in my life that were very close to me that were victims of migrant crime, victims of having their homes robbed, victims of sexual violence, having their cars stolen. 
And when they apprehend the subject, it always turns out to be somebody who should not have been here in the United States. And of course, you know, in Southern California, that's going to be something that happens a lot. But it just exacerbates the problem when you have a president who seems insensitive to the plight of Americans who live along these border towns. And they're subjected to being in the crossfire when there's cartel, uh, what do they call that? When they're trying to occupy a certain area, turf wars. I grew up reading about these in Tijuana and, and in Mexico City and Guadalajara and other places. And I said, boy, I, glad, I sure am glad I live in the United States. That's what I was, that's what I was thinking in the late 1970s. And now we're starting to, to hear about it here. This, uh, this turf war is spilling over into the United States. And it can be easily controlled if we have the right leadership in mind. Somebody needs to get word to President Biden that these are the people he needs to be listening to. I received the worst news that a parent doesn't want to hear. That my newly 20-year-old 20, 20 daughter, Kayla Hamilton, was murdered in her own room and left on the floor like trash. Kayla's murderer was apprehended by Border Patrol crossing illegally into the U.S. For me, this is not a political issue. This is a safety issue for everyone living in the United States. This could have been anyone's daughter. And it may very well be. You know, uh, people on the left will say, oh, you're just using that. You're, you're, you're taking advantage of that woman and using it for political points. Really? Is that what it's all about? Political points? The debt, the debt ceiling? The Republicans are willing to, you know, violate the debt ceiling? just to make political points. No, no, that's the way the Democrats work. The Democrats are the ones who allow, oh, I don't know, pandemics to emerge so that they can uh, overwhelm a president and dog him with impeachment and keep his mind off the ball. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Speaking of the, the presidency, uh, I'm sure everybody is talking about this. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis officially announcing on a Twitter officially announcing on a Twitter space that he is running for president. The announcement, though, came with some pretty big technical issues. Take a listen. All right. Sorry about that. We we've got so many people here that I think we are. We are uh, kind of melting the servers, uh, which is a good sign. Well, there's 382,000 people. Laura. All right. Great. So let's see. So they just keep crashing, huh? Yeah, I think we've got a, just a massive number of people online, so it's um, servers are straining somewhat. 318,000 people tuned in at 6 o'clock to listen to Ron DeSantis. My guess it was all the Democrats in Washington. Uh, but no, I mean, do you buy that? Do you think that that's really what happened? I, I'm a little skeptical. I think the technical problems they were having had nothing to do with... I could be wrong, but it's, it just seems that's... That's not quite the way that I, maybe that's just Elon Musk trying to save face. Something went wrong, but nevertheless, it wasn't the best opening for Ron DeSantis, and it certainly doesn't make him look good. But it'll be forgotten, you know, in a short amount of time, no question about that. So there was a new study, or new DNA, revealed, interesting, and we'll talk to Nan Sue in just a minute about this. Nan Su is, of course, the investigative reporter for the Epoch Times. And he keeps a close eye on what China is doing. And there's news to talk about. And I'll ask him what he thinks about this new report. And it comes from one of the journals. 
So they've, they've managed to figure out that the DNA, the common DNA of many Indian Native Americans, as well as in the North American continent and in South America, all come from Asian DNA. In other words, everybody seems to have come from Asia, or specifically China. Isn't that interesting? I bet you they'll use that in some way, won't they? They'll figure out a way to use that politically. Everybody comes from China. We're the mother race. Something strange like that, right? Maybe we can ask Nan Su, and we'll get to him in just a moment here. Also, Roger Waters is in hot water. Yeah, Roger Waters. Apparently, he was wearing SS uniforms at a concert in Berlin. Yikes. Not good. We'll be back. Welcome back to Speaking Out in America. JR, your host. And Nan Su, our regular guest, senior investigative reporter for the Epoch Times. He's got his eye and focus on Chinese politics and government deception. Nan, welcome back to the program. China now is really cracking down on comedians uh, that we touched on a little bit last week. Tell us a little bit about what's going on there. Oh, yeah. yeah. They recently just uh, shut down uh, several uh Several uh, entertainment uh, entertaining uh, corporations that uh, you know uh, that handling uh, all these companies are handling the comedians. Uh, what happened is the one you know uh, Xi Jinping, China's Chairman Xi, had uh, some sort of instructions from the from him as a supreme leader to the Chinese military. It's called fight well and win the battle. Right, this is the, the famous uh, uh, instruction from him to military. So one comedian just making a joke, uh, you know, because he adopted a couple homeless dogs, and one day he was, he said the joke he made. He said he saw that uh, the two dogs that he adopted that is chasing a squirrel, and and he, and he said, well, immediately what's in my mind is fight well and win the battle. <laughs> he <was> just <laughs> tried to. Make it. It's not even a bad joke, right? Yeah, it's, it's not, not even bad. A bad joke. Yeah. So what? What is the? Yeah, they feeling insecure? Is that? So what happened to the comedian? Well, he is already arrested. That's or, number one. He already arrested, and he's. Uh, uh, and then the government officially sent a notice to his company. The company he works for, his company need to pay two million U.S. dollar in fine. And, you know, totally shut down the business to uh, they need to go through this uh, kind of a re-education program uh, to basically they have to learn the rules. Uh, and then there are several other companies uh, doing the similar business uh, also shut down and going through the same, you know, kind of like training, they call training process. Uh, to the you know to have their comedians to learn how to follow the rules. That that involves a little bit of torture, doesn't it? I mean, we know that these people are not, you know, given three squares a day like they are in our uh, country, and you know, and allowed to play basketball <laughs> well, for an hour. That's what it is. Yeah. Now Chinese come uh, Chinese regime has been doing this kind of a thing, going after the en- uh, uh, entertaining industries, the celebrities for say. For like five, a good five or six years now, uh, they but, but it, 
but before what have what what they have done differently was they are going after all these celebrities and say oh you 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 hide some sort of uh, some some portion of your income you need to pay more tax uh you know because they found that you 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 you're kind of using some loopholes uh trying not to pay you know trying to hide some of your incomes not not paying enough tax so they will find them they will find them and have them pay more uh so on and so forth but this is the really the first time they are going after their performance now you know mm-hmm. in the olden days we know that you know many different uh like a foreign uh, uh filmmakers like uh, you know hollywood filmmakers uh they make some movie uh when those movies uh, go into china they you know the chinese uh regime will have them you know cut here cut there cut you know different parts uh but they never right but now yeah. they are really start arresting these entertainers uh for something they say so this is like a, you know one big step uh, mm-hmm. uh make situation worse than before yeah they're cracking down on dissent is what they're doing and satire is one of the most effective ways of dissent it goes back even on our own history and some of the the things that Ben Franklin used to do when he would write letters anonymously making fun of the government Anyway, but that maybe that indicates that China is nervous right now that they need everybody to be in sync, maybe possibly for warfare. Is that possible? Does that play into this psychology of Xi to make sure everybody is? Well, Chairman Xi is going back in his way, you know, going back uh, to Chairman Mao's years. That's uh, ever since he took over control of the top leadership. Of the Chinese Communist regime uh, in 2012, so in 2012 he became the you know the kind of leader. Now it's a supreme leader. At that time he just took over the the top post of the Communist regime, and then uh, and and immediately he he said you know you should use the later 30 years to deny the first 30 years. So from 19 49 to 2010, so that's totally about 60 years. The first 30 years under Chairman Mao, and the the second 30 years, they're kind of China uh, more open. So uh, at the beginning, when Xi Jinping took over the Communist Party, he, you know, immediately he said, you shouldn't use the second 30 years, meaning the the years that China opened to the Western world, to deny the success of the first 30 years, meaning Mm. Chairman Mao's years. Now, 2015, he came up with a political strategy for the future of China. Basically, it's called the share of wealth. Now, the second generation uh, communist leader, Deng Xiaoping, after Chairman Mao, his strategy is to let a small group of people to become rich first. Mm. But, you know, Xi Jinping, you know, his strategy is like uh, to make uh, wealth sharing so you see the two different strategies are they are totally opposite mm. right yeah. yeah definitely so 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 basically ever since then um ever since then uh uh chairman xi has always going you know back going backwards they're going back to the chairman mouth years so they're just they're just leading the entire regime and more and more become like a chairman mouth government yeah, tightening his grip on power, really. There was an article the other day that talked about how 
Hong Kong is what China would like to do the, to the rest of the world. Because, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, Hong Kong was thriving. It was an open society. Of course, in 1999, China regained uh, Hong Kong. And since then, it's been a steady decline downhill to towards totalitarianism, just like they have in China. Uh, let's talk real quickly. We've got about two minutes. What's going on with this cyber warfare? And uh, they've in, infiltrated Microsoft and this other group, Five Eyes Warren. And what is this? Are they playing war games with us now? They're trying to cut off communication satellites and having effects on, on infrastructure in Guam. Can you, do you have any background yeah, on that? Yeah, they, yeah. They, they are infiltrated into the communication system uh, of Guam. You know, we know what Guam is. It's, uh, the whole island is like a military, right? Yeah. It's like military space. That's why they're going after. And not only that, they, you know, they're they also going after uh, the government or like, like essential facilities, you know, like energy system. So China, you know, they, they, they have this kind of cyber attack to collect information uh, to create a, secu- a security bre- uh, a breach uh, that, uh, that really, uh, uh, you know, they are, basically that's a cyber warfare. Yeah. I uh, mean, that's that's a, if they're not warfare, planning you know, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, yeah. They're not, if they're not planning attack or they're attacking and we're, are we able to stop them? I mean, you don't hear anything from the White House about this? Well, uh, you know, well, now the information is coming out, you know, and the information is released uh, is by the five eyes, right? The five eyes, the, the, the five countries, United States, UK, uh, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, there's the five eyes, that's the intelligence uh, agency. So they, they say basically China has been doing that. Well, we know China has been doing that, but you know, but now there's just more details, information that China actually penetrate into, uh, infiltrate, you know, into the, the Guang's communication system. Really, and you know, a no-no because you know Guang is very important to help defend Taiwan, to help secure safety of Japan. You know, it's it's our first line of defense. Yeah. There is a great article that you'll find on theepochtimes.com. Nansu, it's always good to have you here on the program and keep us up to date on what's happening in China. And, of course, you can follow Nan on Epoch Times, and we're always honored to have him on. We'll talk to you next time, okay? All right. Thank you for having me today. You have a good day. And I am always so glad to have Jan Charles Gray on the program. He is our uh, resident expert when it comes to things about law, but he's also a resident of Los Angeles, and I thought he'd have a few things to say about what what's going on with the Dodgers. But before we do that, let me play this golden clip. 1988, the setup is great. It's game uh, one of the World Series, the Dodgers, and ninth inning, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, and we'll... Vince Gully takes it from here. All year long, they look to him to light the fire. And all year long, he answered the demands until he was physically unable to start tonight with two bad legs, the bad left hamstring and the swollen right knee. And with two out, you talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. 
If he hits the ball on the ground, I would imagine he would be running 50% to first base. So the Dodgers trying to catch lightning right now. Yeah, and I tell you what, uh, Jan, uh, it ended up working in the favor of the Dodgers because he walked, uh, and that came and tied the score, and I don't know what happened, but you actually were in the world. You lived in L.A., and you went to Game 5 of that same series, didn't you? Yes, but he didn't walk. He hit a home run. Oh, he hit a home run? Was that the Grand Slammer? No. That was the, was, the one that won uh, won the first game. But, I see. You know, yeah, okay. He, he, but and I'm not a resident of California for Christ's sake. You know, don't. <laughs> don't all right. Don't sorry about that. that. I don't want don't Gavin Newsom chasing anywhere. you down. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. All right. Well, it's you true. get you. Let's just say that you have a, a long history with Southern California. Is that more well, accurate? But, okay. Yeah. I, I I've gone to a Dodger game every year since 1962 when they opened Dodger Stadium. It's the third oldest stadium in the major leagues right now. I, I was 15 at the time. Now I'm about to turn 76. That's a lot so. of years. Wow. So Dodger Blue, man. I mean, you remember the... I was talking yesterday. Remember the Union 76 antenna orange balls that every used, everybody used to have in the 70s? And, right. Uh, yeah. I, I, now they're going to be pride balls. <laughs> Well, it was a major screw-up, you know, uh, from 76. They had that ball out there in the left field uh, uh, pavilion. But anyway, they gave it up. So Um, what's going on with this thing? Can you explain to us how we got to this point where, I mean, we all understand that, you know, Pride Night, they want to celebrate members of the audience LGBTQ, that's, you know, something everybody sort of accepts. But this is different. What makes it different, Jan? Well, here's the dilemma that much of corporate America is caught up in, and uh, that's where the Dodgers are, too. Um, The gay pride thing has been going on, apparently, for 10 or 12 years there. And you need to remember back, or you don't need to do anything, but Possibly you can remember back to 2008 when Obama was saying, you know, he was definitely against gay marriage and he was for traditional marriage. Four years later, he changed and now he was for uh, gay marriage. Um, You know, unlike John Kerry, he was against it before he was for it. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. (laughs) But in any event, that's the, the the dilemma here is that what's what's happened is is that many in corporate America are mixing up the gay pride thing, and and again, I think we as a nation got down to the point where you know Bill O'Reilly represents us when he says, uh, at at some point, I don't care if they get married, okay, and you know why shouldn't they be miserable like all the rest of us? Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's right (laughs) in any event but this is not gay pride because what you have here is the trans rights thing and what that is is that number one you've got someone who is possibly a child changing his gender it isn't anymore about whether or not two people can get married, it's it's changing a gender, which is a very physical thing. And then secondly, you, you've got the situation where 
um, little girls are involved because uh, they, you know, uh, they are faced with a, a male body in the swimming pool. And, and again, for, for small girls, swimming is like little league. Okay. Yeah, that's a good so, point. Yeah. So for girls swimming, for instance, um, it, it's it, having a male physical body against them is like having a major league pitcher uh, pitch to uh, a kid in, in little league. Yeah, okay? right, right. <laughs> yeah. And, and so people get crazy about that. The trans thing is so different than just the normal gay pride. And, you know, that's why, you know, companies like this, I mean, they join Bud Light, uh, you know, with a new entity, which I would call uh, the Sisters of the Perpetual Screw-Up. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and as far as uh, the people that are going to Dodger games, many of them are Hispanics that are heavily Catholic. I'm Catholic, um, although I'm not a really good Catholic. But um, many of their people, uh, you know, their right-to-life people, and this is so offensive to them that, I don't know, whoever decided this really, really screwed it up. And I think it's just the key that, hey, our normal news media, when they do the LGBTQ thing, they've now got the trans element in there. And I think that that element is what is causing the issue with, with people in the country. It's not that we, we don't have gay pride and that, okay, you know, these folks are gay and we know gay people and most of them are very nice. In fact, all of them are very nice, but when you get to the trans thing, it's a whole different, as uh, some of the Hispanics might say, enchilada here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't expect you to know the answer to this, but I'm, I'm wondering or curious why it is that the LGBTQ, which seem to be making progress in all, you know, just about every endeavor, why they wanted to bring this new group in and sort of stink up the place. Because it is... These these people are a different breed. Uh, the desire to dress up, to see yourself in the wrong body, these tend to lean more towards the psychiatric element of of sexual identity and gender dysphoria or gender uh, whatever you want to call it. But and and I think introducing this into America's favorite pastime, it's it's the thing that we all have our great greatest memories from watching the game with our fathers or going to the game with our dads. I mean, that's what it meant for me. And now they want to bring this new element in. For what reason? Who are they priding themselves before? That's And who? what do they want the audience to do? Affirm them? Do they want 56,000 fans to affirm their, their, their new mission in life, which is to dress up like a woman and, and do all these things that are offensive to people who are of faith? And I don't understand why the people in L.A. Well, actually, I do understand why the people in L.A. do this, because they're nuts. And they think this is what the rest of America wants. And the rest of America doesn't want any of it, Jan. No, no, I, I, I get it. And here's another key element that people aren't uh, addressing here is that um, 
there's only 1.6 million trans people out of 320 plus million people in the country. So it's a half of 1%. Well, the number of gay people in the country is probably closer to 5%. Um, so here you have an element where you've got a very small group of people that are turning the wheel here, so to speak, yeah. if you know what I mean. Turning the wheel, so that's a it, good way to put it, yeah. Yeah, yeah and so, I, I just I just think it's, it's uh, you know... Well, it, here's the like interesting what, thing. We, what, it's, it's, it's like what Nixon said, uh, I think, uh, when they were talking about getting $100,000 for Howard Hunt. And he said, well, uh, we could do it, but it would be wrong. <laughs> well, let me throw some stats at you. So in 22, last year, the Dodgers averaged 47,672 people per game, which is more than the seating capacity of 24 major league baseball stadiums across the country. And it shows, uh, and they are, the capacity I think is 56,700, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how much of a hit they take. And the Dodgers are doing pretty well this year, aren't they? Yes. Um, they're, they're doing okay. I mean, they start, they had a little bit of a, a dip at the beginning of the season. And I mean, they're not like the Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay folks near where you are. Um, yeah, but they're, they're, they're hanging in there. Um, but this is going to poison but, pill. I think I mean, people are going to be outraged if the sisters of indulgence show up and start gyrating on a flagpole, you know? Well, I, I think they need to add to their security force for that <laughs> night. <laughs> Let's because just say it's not going to be like, you know, Disney night, uh, you know, gay night at Disney. You know, this isn't people that go to the Dodgers game. They don't, they don't, they want to get away from that when they go see the game. And I think they're going to yeah. say, you know what? We got to send a message. Otherwise they're going to make it like this all the time. And we won't want to go to any games. I hope that they rescind the second invitation and, and listen to the people. The people have spoken. All right, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks a lot. All right, you're listening to Speaking Out America. That's it for today. We'll do it again tomorrow. Thanks again for stopping by. Don't forget our podcast, Speaking Out America. It's on and available everywhere. Until next time, thanks for stopping by. <laughs>